This episode of In Our Tracks is brought to you by NRHA corporate partner, Classic Equine. Classic Equine is also the presenting partner for the Green Rainer program, which we discuss in this episode. They want to tell you about the Knee Boot 2, a new product with the latest innovative design in equine knee protection. It secures quickly and easily with hook and loop closures and attaches to the top of the splint boot or polo wrap and has double layered neoprene for extra protection. For more information, visit ClassicEquine.com and remember, play to win. Welcome to season two of In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. I'm your host, Jennifer Paulson. We're here to honor the history of reining, discuss current events and trends, and look ahead at the opportunities this sport has in its future. Reining's rich heritage includes vibrant personalities we're excited to share with you, along with honoring the horses and events that have made this sport the international phenomenon it is today. If you like what you're here, please be sure to leave a review. And thank you for listening to In Our Tracks. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. Um, it's it's springtime and the fields, the pastures are getting green and everybody's excited and getting out to show. And today we're really excited to talk to you a little bit about the um, NRHA Green Rainer program that's uh, sponsored by Classic Equine. Um, if you're new to reining and you want to learn more about how to get involved, this is a great place to start. And um, you can learn all the ins and outs of it at nrha.com slash entry level info. Once again, it's called the Classic Equine Green Rainer Program. So today we're actually going to talk to a green rainer, uh, Karen Hill. She's from Colorado. Karen, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start with our uh, icebreaker questions that we call our large fast. So um, first of all, what okay. is your favorite food to have in the truck when you're hauling to a horse show? Oh my gosh, I have to have kettle corn and then either Twizzlers or peppermint patties. That's what gets me down the road. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, what do you listen to when you're when you're going? Um, well, we have Sirius in all our vehicles, and so I I turned on to the Garth Brooks channel, and he has everything, every <laughs> genre that you ever want to listen to. So, but especially when his song "The River" comes on, that that's kind of my go-to song. Uh, about anything in life, actually. Oh, that sounds I really perfect. crank it up when that comes on. Yeah, <laughs> and it has a lot of different variation to keep you awake and and paying attention. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what is your most memorable accomplishment horseback so far? Um. Well, before I got into reining, I did do the all around horses and stuff, and okay. then kind of ended that career that career with Western Pleasure, and I made the finals in <clears throat> excuse me novice amateur Western Pleasure at Congress. Um, the kind of the most memorable part of that is I, I didn't take a trainer with me when I went up, I did it all on my own. So, oh, wow. Was, yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. And, and just showing at the Congress by yourself is a, an accomplishment in oh, and of itself. Me- <laughs> oh, it is. It's a big mental game. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite thing that you, in, in a horse when you're looking? You know, um, especially my age, <laughs> I like them to be, you know, calm, uh, not spooky or anything, but I also like them to have a little bit of what I call the listening edge to them. So if there is, you know, if I need more horse someday, then uh, it's there and I can ask it to, you know, ask them of, of more than what they normally give while there's calmly working around. So. Perfect. Um, what's the most common advice that you get before you go compete? <laughs> How many spins? <laughs> I go, 
I've overspun so many times. Oh my gosh, my husband's made up a song to it now, and I actually try and sing it to myself when I'm out there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to, you know. <laughs> All right. So we talked, you told us a little bit about that. Um, you came from the all around side of things, but you and I spoke before and, and you told me you've been riding since you were eight years old. Can you tell us a little bit about your background with horses and how it grew into this, you know, all around and then getting into the reining? Yeah, sure. Um, my passion of horses actually came from my mother and my sister. My mother, this is really going to age me, but she um, she broke ponies for the coal mines way, way back, you know, 100 years. Um, so, so she kind of instilled that love of horses in my sister and I. And my sister used to take me trail riding all the time. Um, and when she wasn't around, I was always begging the neighbors, you know, let me go ride your horse. Let me go ride your horse. And, and so eventually I ended up with this little paint called Little Man who promptly tried to brush me off I don't know how many times but it taught me how to ride um and you know and more times than not I was barefoot no no saddle and you know with a halter and a lead rope and that was it from there um people started recognizing that I could ride and they started giving me other horses to ride and stuff and so I actually got into running barrel horses in high school um once that was kind of over and I got older and I wanted to slow down that's when I got into the all-around horses, and I actually started out with Appaloosas. I bred Apps uh, for a couple of years, and I gave up because every time I breed my colored mares, I you know, to a colored stud, I get solid babies. <laughs> so I gave up on that venture. Um, so then after that, I actually ended up with a couple of red duns and went through the um, IBH phase. Um, which we did pretty well nationally and everything, but it again, it was the, um, you know, all around stuff. I did everything from showmanship to halter, um, up to trail, pleasure, everything, equitation, horsemanship, you name it, I did it. Um, I also, along that time period, uh, was also president of Mid-Atlantic Buckskin Association, and then also, uh, kind of got roped into being the, um, president of Vermont Horse Shows Association, which was associated with AHSA at that time. Um, So I've kind of been through those ranks. And I also ended up president for Vermont Quarter Horse Association. And there are, I realize it's a small state, but it really taught me a lot about associations and the camaraderie um, at different shows and at different levels and stuff like that. Um, So it really gave me appreciation from the lower level show person on up to you know the higher level trainers and everything um Mm -hmm. i worked with gretchen mathis who's a a well-known quarter horse judge and everything so um but i so i worked through the ibha phase and then got into the quarter horse shows and my actually my first quarter horse show i gained points in trail horsemanship and halter i about fell off when i (laughs) they nancy sue ryan pulled me out of the lineup in the horsemanship class and it was my very first quarter horse show like i said and and uh, she kind of used me as an example of how to dress. And at that point, I had absolutely not one crystal on my shirt. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's going to show everybody or tell everybody this is how not to look like. Because <laughs> I bought this shirt literally off the, the back rack for seven bucks <laughs> and went in and showed. And she ended up saying, no, this is how you gals should dress. You don't need the bling, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, that was kind of a memorable thing at that point um, at my first quarter or show. 
And then um, I really worked through a bunch of quarter war shows. Um, and then, like I said, I ended kind of ended that career with um, the, you know, the pleasure finals there at Congress, because it was my bucket list was really to get a horse that could take me to Congress and not be embarrassed on. And um, when I found this one up in uh, Iowa, I knew he was the one and he took me and the rest is kind of history after making those finals. And it was after that, I was like, now what do I do? Um, Cause you know, I fulfilled my bucket list. And so the following year I had a hard time as to what I was going to do next um, because I actually came home was kind of winning some pleasure classes against the select ladies on their big horses and stuff. And um, you know, it just got to a point where, it wasn't fun anymore because people just don't talk to you. When, I guess once you start, winning, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, um, so I just decided I I was done. I actually called up a gal that takes and resells equipment and everything on consignment. I had her come to my barn. She cleaned everything out. I ripped the stalls out. I sold my truck and trailer and said, "That's it. I am finished." Um, but that's when I picked up the camera and said, I still don't want to be away from my horse people or my horse friends. So that's when I uh, started my show photography career. And again, that was a learning process. Um, you know, I kind of started out green in that level as well. It, and it took me probably two years to learn, you know, okay, this is how you really shoot a horse, <laughs> you know, because you can do a bad angle or a good angle. And, and I think I just like the challenge here too. So um, so I built that up and I'm contracted now to shoot several shows out of Colorado. Um, I actually shot the region eight show for ATOHA down there in Amarillo. And that was the last year they held it. It wasn't mm -hmm. because of my photography. They just decided they were backing off of some of those, those regional shows. Um, but in the meantime, I still wanted to ride. So there were a few people up there that said, Hey, you want, if I, if you ever want to ride, just give me a holler. And there was a few people that um, I took advantage of. There was one person that had a really, really, really nice pleasure horse. I'd watched him go around for a while and, and you know, he was offered to me. And, and so this is where it kind of got, I ended up having a speed bump in this time period of about 10 years of where I didn't own a horse and before I got into reining. Mm -hmm. It really made me want to, I still want to keep riding. The day I got on that horse, um, and not very many people know this, but the day I got on this horse, the second I got on, I'm like, oh my gosh, he either needs the round pin or he needs lunge. Oh, no. <laughs> and probably, probably 15 minutes into that ride, he, we realized he needed lunge before I got on because he promptly bucked me off. I probably sailed there about 10 feet, landed, and I couldn't hardly move when I got home. I ended up in the emergency room the next morning and they, they did ultrasound. It said it looked like I had, I had been in a rollover car accident oh gosh and where I've been in there I'm like what am I doing you know because you get older you just don't bounce like you normally do exactly so it, it took me probably another year um and I was about seven years into that 10-year layoff it probably took me another year before I got to the point where I was comfortable getting back on again and then it was just walk and trot around um so that long about that time, the ranch riding class started. And as a show photographer, I'm like, that class looks like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to put in the big money for the, the bling, the big saddles, all the silver. You can just go out on a cute little horse and just go have some fun. 
so I mentioned it to a friend of mine one day and she goes, I just happen to know a horse for sale. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> so the, the trainer had known what had happened to me with the buck off. He said, Karen, just come down and ride. He goes, you don't have to buy. I just want you to ride again. I want you to get comfortable with us again. And so I went down and lo and behold, he puts me on this green three-year-old. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's three. He's green. He goes, I know you can handle it. So I rode this horse probably five or six times, and he was really, really super talented. Um, even though he only had maybe 120 days sporadically, you know, his his two and three year old year, he was just that calm and quiet. And I actually lope him for the first time, you know, since getting booked off that one horse. And the trainers like to stop there, just lope one circle both ways and stop. And I, I want you to get it off. And I did, and that was kind of the rebuild of my confidence. Right. Um, I ended up buying that horse and sent him to Michelle Chapman, Mm -hmm. who's a Rainer trainer, because I love how the Rainers get the horses broke. Yep. Um, And he needed caught up. So I sent him to her, and that kind of started the ball rolling with a Rainer, because she stuck me on – Oh my gosh, I think his name is Kevin Williams. He's since passed away. Um, it was one of his really nice uh, rainers that she stuck me on. And right then and there, I'm like, okay, I'm selling the ranch rider. <laughs> and I'm, I am now looking for a rainer. So that's kind of how my career got, you know, went from, you know, riding barrel horses up to the point of getting hooked on, okay, now I need a rainer. So, um, but also, I also forgot to mention that. Back when I was in Vermont, you, you'll probably recognize the, the names of these people that first stuck me on a really, really nice bronze trophy winning Rainer was Mark and Tammy Wagman. Okay. And back then, um, that was the first taste I really got of riding a Rainer. And the, the one thing that I specifically remember of that ride was in my spin. I saw that mane and those reins just flying out <laughs> to the side. And I said, this is it. Someday I'm going to have a rainer. And uh, Aaron, um, my best friend, I call her actually my sister from another mother. Um, we've, even though I've moved from Vermont back out to Colorado, uh, we stayed in touch. And she now actually owns um, the first rainer I bought, which I'll tell you about here in a minute. But um She's known over the years I was going to get one. And when I finally bought one, she was so excited for me. And, and we talked about that day because she was there with me when I said, someday I'm going to own a Rainer when I got off that Rainer of, of Tammy's. <laughs> so here I am. So. I, I think that's such a common experience where, because I mean, that's my experience too, is I, I did the all around growing up and got put on a Rainer mm-hmm. and I was like, this is it. This is all I want to do. Um, so I, I think yeah. that that's pretty common for us. And it's it's one of those things that just hooks you right away. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was at Sun Circuit. Um, I actually stalled with one of the all around trainers that I used to train with because um, he hauled me down from Colorado. Shane couldn't come down. So um, uh, this other trainer hauled me down. I just and I just stalled with him and he's got all these all around people and they were all like, oh, my gosh, we want we want to try a rainer sometime. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, what? just go hop on mine and just, just spin him once. And they're like, no, because we know we'll want to we we'll sell our all arounders and Kelly will be mad at us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was trying. <laughs> well, when it um came time to to sell that ranch riding horse and buy your first rainer, what was the process like for you um, for somebody who might be, 
you know, similar to your situation and thinking about jumping in, who's listening to this, um, what was the process like for you? And did you have a professional help you find one or did you find them on your own? How did that work out for you? Well, well, I'm the type of person that if I don't like what I'm seeing and or buying because I got to feed it every day, then <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy it. I'm just that type of person. And, you know, being around, I, I actually used to train and give lessons and stuff like that. And um, so I know what I want, right. you know, I know the look that I want, et cetera. So this ranch rider I had, um, he actually ended up getting hurt there for a while. And that's when Michelle started putting me on her rainers. And, you know, so I kind of got a taste of the different feel. Actually, she put me on like two or three different ones. And so I kind of got a feel of, you know, the different feel of the different rainers. And I, it always came back to these rainers feel like a pleasure horse. I mean, you can move them around and everything like that. So I knew that's the type of feel I wanted in another rainer. So I got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm going to start looking. I'm going to sell this ranch rider when he's, he's back, you know, 100%. And so I started going through all these videos. Well, poor Michelle, I was sending her probably two or three videos every day. <laughs> what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? And there was always something, you know, so I'm like, okay. So it seriously was probably four months into the process where I'm like, fine, I'm not looking for any more rainers. I'm going to go buy a goldfish. It's got to be easier than finding a rainer. <laughs> so her husband Travis was sitting there and Michelle told her help. She goes, we got to help Karen look for, uh, for Rainer. And, and Travis is like, well, what is she looking for? And she told her, or he, she told him and, and he goes, well, wait a second. So he makes a phone call. 15 minutes later, we've got a picture of this gorgeous Palomino Philly. I uh, star spangled with out of a wimpy little set mare. Wow. Gorgeous little thing in my budget. She was behind um, because she'd gotten hurt. Uh, she actually ran into a fence as a two-year-old. So she was actually thrown back out and was way behind um, and in my budget. So within 15 minutes, Travis put my four-month search <laughs> to a halt. And we were on a plane two days later, went down and checked her out and looked at some others. And um, I kept going back to her. And I think it was her look. <laughs> I mean, she's, yeah. she's a gorgeous little thing. Um, and we ended up bringing her home. She wants the money for us. Um, but she just didn't have that overly good work ethic like, that I like. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to fight with them all the time. And, and uh, But she, like I said, she did win some money. And um, so at that point, I'm like, I, I, and the other flip side of that, too, is I just never have really gone along with mares. Um, that was my third mare ever I've ever owned in my whole entire life. And I think I'm done with the mares. I like the gilding. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up selling her to Aaron that my sister from another mother, she's now bred to Inferno 66. Oh, wow. Um, so her and I have kind of formed a little, um, little thing on that. I'm hoping the baby can come back out here and everything. And, you know, we're keeping our fingers crossed that it'll be everything you ever dream of the whole nine yards, but it's going to be a fun little adventure. In the meantime, I've uh, picked up a, um, he's now five. I bought him last fall. He's a pale face done it. Mm -hmm. And he's out of a top sale with custom chrome there. And um, he's just the cutest little thing. His name's Minion. <laughs> Minion has a little fan club. <laughs> he is just the cutest little thing. So um, that's where I am at now. So um, 
tell us a little bit about that the first time that you showed in the raining pen um how did you prepare yourself how did it go and what did you learn <laughs> okay um well the first time i showed it was on that that filly i had bought and you know it was a walk-in pattern where you walk to the middle and i got to that middle cone to take my left and i just about did an about face out of there because it you know it had been almost 10 years since I had been in the pen and you know I'm actually walking in there going why am I in here right I I I'm not even sure I know what pattern I'm doing I I should just leave and I got to the middle I took a deep breath and I said you know what Karen it's now or never just just ride the pattern don't get fancy just ride the pattern and so I went in and rode the pattern and I caught my lead changes, which honestly, I never even did lead changes before I did raining. Um, I got my lead changes both ways, which I'm like, hey, if I can do a lead change, I can do circles, you know. So I actually came out of there with a 67 and a half my first time in the pen. And, you know, it was like, I can do this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, re I realized I could finally ride a horse that wasn't going to buck me off <laughs> and I could right. also run a pattern in the pen by myself um you know against some judges that you know and it's that's when I was hooked so that was my first experience I came out of there and I said I want more I jumped off gave Michelle a big hug and I'm like I'm ready for more so it, it kind of grew from there okay so tell us a little bit about your experience with the classic equine green rainer classes um have you taken advantage of the opportunity to talk to judges which is one of the offerings or um you can choose flying or simple lead changes there's a lot of different things that make it a great entry point for new rainers so can you tell us a little bit about competing in those classes yeah sure um you know the green rainer program i think is an awesome place for anyone getting started in raining um be, because you know you know as well as i do some of this well most showing i should say is it's a mental game and if you can get into a green rainer program it kind of relieves that stress of oh my gosh i'm i'm showing against you know people that have been here for years and years and years so the green rainer program is i i feel is a perfect first step for somebody just getting into raining um especially since they offer you know the simple change um on lead changes um because some people get a little apprehensive about doing that lead change and everything i know i i did it first um but now i i've just decided i'm going for it i just do the regular lead change and right. just go for it so um so yeah i mean it's also nice too that you have that access to the judges after your class um, because it gives you um, several different opinions, it gives you different eyes on your pattern and what you're doing and, and things like that, that you can take that advice from each judge. And even though you may not use it today, you, you know, you could put it on in the back burner and maybe in the future drop on what you need, you know, to improve those areas they've talked about. So, you know, I think it is an awesome program. Um, and then, you know, to have the two different levels as well, it still gives you a little bit more time before you jump in, you know, with the, uh, with the other age, you know, specific classes and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, something that I really think 
newbies should really take advantage of if they're thinking about getting into raining. So, right. Now, you mentioned that you have a show photography business, but you also have another business that's pretty exciting. And um, you're a storm chaser. You do storm tourism and extreme weather photography. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about that and then maybe how that helps you manage your emotions in the pen? Because what you're doing professionally is pretty intense. Well, it can get intense. And there's been, you know, several intense situations. But, um, yeah, my husband actually got me into this. He He's a, the record. Uh, he's in the Guinness World Book of Records right now holding the number of tornadoes ever seen by a human. And he's closing in on 800 tornadoes right now. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's a process and a half uh, for him to prove that. Um, so, uh, but anyway, he, he's actually my old high school sweetheart. We got back together through classmates.com and it's kind of funny. We kind of adopted each other's passion. He, he, he's kind of funny. He's, he's like, I like watching you ride, but he says, there's just something about the smell of a sweaty horse. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just loves it. So he comes and watches me ride and, and work and everything. And, but then for the uh, storm chasing, um, he runs the uh, regularly scheduled storm chasing tours. Um, our tour company is called Silver Lining Tours, and he his tours will start mid-April, and then they run through mid-July. Um, we get people from all over the world that, that join these tours, um, you know, like Australia, Netherlands, Brazil. We've had Russians, uh, people from Europe, ca- Canada, from all over. So we get to meet all these different personalities. Um, but during that time period, too, from mid-May till the first week of June, I'm running the photography tours. And I get out some pretty high profile photographers with me um, because I keep my my tours a little smaller. It's just one band. So I take out probably, well, six photographers are usually with me. Um, in fact, I've had one photographer that ended up winning the, or came in second, I think, in the Weather Channel photography contest and things like that. So, um, but while you're out chasing, it can get pretty intense. Um, and it's funny you ask how the chasing helps my horse showing where it's actually the opposite. Okay. If I can ride a 1200 pound animal and keep it under control (laughs) in the pen, you know, it's a mental thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're multitasking more on a horse than you are chasing a storm, even though you're driving towards a you know, black as heck storm with golf ball or softball size hail and a tornado in there possibly. To me, I draw up on my experiences in the pen of mentally, you know, riding around constantly or trying to ride a horse two or three steps ahead of time just to make sure it's moving correctly. Right. I take that, draw up on that into what I do with the storm chasing. So, um, actually storm chasing to me is kind of relaxing. People probably think that's a little crazy, but it's it's relaxing to me. It's also exciting. Um, but to me, it's like, yes, because my goal is always to get my photographers in that perfect position. So, um, and when I do that, that's very satisfactory to me. So it's a, it's a fun experience. Um, 
like I said, there's been a few times where we've had some excitement. We actually had a van get hit by lightning four years ago. Um, and then we've had, you know, like I said, the softball, baseball size hail, um, you know, take out windshields and, and things, but that's, that's what our people like to do. And so that's <laughs> what we give them. So that's part of that excitement and the adrenaline that they signed up for. So that's what we give them. So that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, getting back to the raining, what, what kind of advice would you give someone who wants to get started, whether they were, you know, one of your all around friends at the sun circuit or <laughs> someone who goes storm chasing with you and, and you talk about your, your raining hobby and, what kind of advice would you give them if they wanted to start? How would you encourage them to get going? You know, um, I highly recommend not going out and spending tons and tons of money on a high dollar rainer. Go get something that's broke. Get something that's been around the pen that's going to take care of you. So you don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh. You know, is this horse going to you know, dive out of a circle? Is it going to, you know, not spin correctly? Mm -hmm. Go get something that's quiet. Get something that's going to take care of you so you can go have fun while you're learning. Right. The bottom line to me is to have, to have fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not having fun, then why do it? You know, and it, it's just much more fun when you're on a horse that wants to be out there or know their, knows their job mm -hmm. um, and that you're not having to worry about fixing every other time. So that that's what I would recommend that and to also find a trainer that you can go take some lessons from right um you know and what i did is i interviewed i didn't just hop on the first trainer i came across i interviewed him and made sure that you know we were all in the same wavelength before i got started and, mm -hmm. and that's how i ended up going where i went so yeah you you rode with michelle chapman and, and now you're riding with shane brown correct yeah okay yep. Yeah, yeah, there's there's yeah, so many Shane. there's so many great professionals out there who are willing to help you get started and you know uh, even have some lesson horses that you can give it a shot on and kind of figure out where mm -hmm. you fit in and um I think that's super important and they can you know anybody can find the names and locations of professionals on nrha.com if they want to look that up but also just like I think kind of like you said working that network of people that you know in the industry and um yeah. finding that right connection with the person who fits with what you want to do. All right. All right. Exactly. You know, Michelle, I, you know, I was very grateful for everything that she did for me. She got me the start. She put me on some, you know, some decent horses to, to get the feel of. And, uh, you know, I was very grateful for that. So, um, and then Shane came along and I've been able to watch Shane train and show for many years from me shooting these tour shows and everything. Exactly. And he's just so even keeled. He's just such a nice guy, you know? So, um, I, I end up moving over to him and, and it's, it's been a fun process. He knows how to really coach. He gives great advice. He picks mm -hmm. up on everything. So it's, you know, and he's not offensive or anything like that. So, um, but he is one of those that when he, he, he explains something, it's in detail and, you know, it's just, it's worked out really great for me. So, um, it's, it's been a good, really, really good fit moving over to him. Well, with the, you know, springtime, we're all kind of dusting everything off and getting out to show more and all that. What are your goals for 2021? And, you know, what are you working toward this year? 
Well, presently I'm working on not spinning five times. <laughs> and also, um, believe it or not, the first seven times I've shown, um, it was pattern uh, four of the seven that I uh, first showed was pattern 10. Okay. And yeah, so conquering pattern 10 <laughs> would be another goal. Um, and then, you know, getting that 70, I, I, you know, I've gotten 68 and uh, I think 169 now and, and, uh, you know, it's just getting that perfect score. Um, I finally stayed out of the penalty boxes last week. So that was a, that was a goal of mine too. It's like, oh good, no numbers on the upper, upper row there. So, oh, congratulations. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. So it, it, you know, and it can, it can be done, but that's, that's my goal is to finally get that perfect 70 and then hopefully build from there. Perfect. Well, we, um, we appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast and, um, thanks again to classic equine for sponsoring this episode and for presenting the green Rainer program. Um, once again, you can learn more about that program, um, at nrha.com slash entry level info. And, um, We'll look forward to to seeing Karen out at the horse shows and um, we'll talk to you at the next episode. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. For more about reining and NRHA, visit nrha.com and follow NRHA on Facebook at NRHA National Reining Horse Association and on Instagram at NRHA Reining. Please be sure to leave us a review. We love five stars and um, look for us next month.